the Ambitious Radio Network. Conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders. Are you an entrepreneur, startup junkie, or just someone interested in improving their leadership skills? If you're looking to be motivated, inspired, and uncover what it takes to get to the next level, listening to Ambitious Radio will be well worth the investment of your time. We have weekly engaging conversations with today's most influential thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they discuss their successes, failures, tipping points, and other priceless information that you can apply immediately after listening. And welcome to the show. Good to have you right here. It is Ambitious Radio, hosted by our friend Doug Parker, talking about entrepreneurship and leadership while interviewing interesting people and what makes them ambitious. Now, you know, the show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. You know, most of the time, small business owners need to personally guarantee any loans that their companies take out. That can be kind of tough to do if you have credit issues. So if you have less than perfect credit, go to repairmycreditnow.com for a free credit report evaluation. Repairmycreditnow.com. Doug, what do we have going on today? We are so absolutely just blown away by the folks that are coming on the show. And we've got another great one on the show today. We're speaking with Jay Bear. He's a, a, a the world's most inspirational marketing and online customer service speaker. Uh, he helps business people fundamentally rethink their approach to marketing and customer service. Jay shows you how to embrace change, get more customers, and this one I loved a lot, keep the ones you already have earned. Uh, best-selling author, New York Times. He's got a, a brand new book out called "Hug Your Haters" and then one called "Utility." Y O U T I L I T Y. Jay, welcome to the show, man. What did I miss in the intro? Oh, that was fantastic. Thanks so much. I guess maybe the fact that I'm a tequila collector and a certified barbecue judge. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> man, that is fantastic. So, so uh, you know, tell tell me about that. Let's talk about a barbecue, a certified barbecue guy. What what does it take to, to get on that list? So you actually have to go to barbecue school, to barbecue judging school uh, for, a, for a weekend. And they give you all the rules and the regulations. And it's very specific because in competition barbecue, these guys are cooking for thousands and thousands of dollars in prizes. And so, you know, this isn't just like show up and have some beers and like, yeah, those ribs are good. It's very specific. Uh, there's score sheets and the whole thing. You can't talk to anybody and you can't drink. And, and so in barbecue school, they actually you know, give you a bunch of different uh, kinds of ribs and, and brisket and chicken and pulled pork. And then uh, they tell you, well, this is a pretty good one and here's why. And this one isn't as good and kind of teach you what the standard is. It's almost like a dog show. Like when you go to the dog show, like this is the best Dalmatian ever. And most people like that Dalmatian looks exactly like the other 13 Dalmatians stand in there. But there's for some reason the ears are a little longer, or the you know, tail's a little different angle. But if you're, you know, Dalmatian expert, you uh, you pick up on those things. Barbecue's the exact same way. Most people go out and have a barbecue sandwich like that was pretty damn good. But if you're sort of trained to be a judge, they make you look for different things. Wow. Forgive me, Doug. Jay, is it almost like you're you take little portions of the meat and you chew it a few seconds longer and you look, you kind of look up in the air and you hold your hand up to your mouth and go, hmm. It's yeah. almost like an, Abs- a formality. like that. Uh, yes, amazing. Just like that. And it's definitely little pieces, too, because uh, generally when you're in a competition, uh, you judge um, – six different entries. So you're talking about six different and times four meats. So six pulled pork, uh, six chicken, six ribs, and six briskets. So even one bite of each of those, right? Now you got 24 bites of, uh, of barbecue, 
uh, it, it fills you up pretty quick. Don't wow. uh, You don't want to show up uh, having just eaten lunch, I'll tell you that. Because Doug and I are from the part of East Texas to where, man, he's pulling a Billy Bob's barbecue and have a good glass of iced tea, and let's, you know, <laughs> you know, and so that's amazing. It really is. It's good a lot of stuff. fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I went to your site, uh, the uh, convinceandconvert.com, and, yeah. and first of all, I, I was initially introduced, I was listening to uh, John Lee Dumas on Entrepreneur on Fire. I heard an episode you had done uh, with him, and it was really, uh, it kind of embarrassingly, it was my first exposure to to you and the things that you do. Uh, I don't know where you've been all my life, but with some of my other companies, I would have loved to have had this information three or four or five years ago uh, that, that you that you discussed about customer service and, and treating staff stuff um, like the 21st century that it is as opposed to like it was, you know, 100 years ago. But with that being said, I went to your site. There's tons of great content. I mean, you, you, you have a blog that's great. You're a podcaster yourself. And there's videos where you talk about all kinds of different content. But let's talk about social media for just a minute. So I'm guilty of this, but I, I'd heard you say that, you know, you've got Pinterest and, and Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. And I'm guilty of just kind of posting the same stuff on all the different things. But you're talking about putting unique information out there. Uh, on each platform. So can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, that's definitely the the, the best way to go, and I recognize that requires uh, additional effort, no question. Uh, and, and the reason that's true is that each of those platforms has uh, a different kind of audience and and a different kind of content and style and approach that that works better. And actually, as time goes on, uh, the platforms grow more and more different. Um, so the kind of things that you might post to Instagram, for example, uh, end up being kind of different than the things that you might post to Facebook, even though Facebook owns Instagram and same thing with Twitter, et cetera. And, and so I find it's kind of helpful to kind of keep a mental checklist or even a written down checklist that says, OK, if this is a if this is a beautiful picture that would look good in a frame, it should be on Instagram. Right. If this is a timely and topical observation, ideally with a link to an online resource, that should be on Twitter. If this is a personal observation uh, that's possibly kind of humorous, that should be on Facebook. Right. And so you start to sort of segment what happens in your life and what you want to share by channel. Uh, and it does take a little time to kind of get that sorted out in your head. And then when you get real serious about it, then you start adding LinkedIn and Snapchat and Pinterest and all the other ones too, until, until you've got six or seven different places. Now, as a entrepreneur myself, you know, you can get tied up and, and all of a sudden you're on information overload and, and you are just nonstop seemingly goofing around looking at other people's stuff on those on those uh social media outlets as well yep. so so how do you, you you know put once you get that formula put together um do you have a, a rhythm that you get into of when you post it or, it or sometimes it's off limits because what you just now rattled off i mean you could easily spend six hours a day doing that yeah. And what you want to do is think of it like going to the gym, right? So you're like, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of time a day or a week going to the gym and I'm going to put it on my calendar. And the best way to, to do social media is to literally put it on your calendar. Be like, okay, from 8 to 8.30, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm doing this. And then I'm going to check in a little bit here or there, Tuesdays and Thursdays in the afternoon or whatever makes sense for your own personal life. But uh, putting it on the calendar and holding time certainly makes it um, 
easier to do it and also say, look, I've done my 30 minutes. It's time to hit the ejector button now. Uh, the best tip I can give you is to use a tool like Buffer, uh, which I happen to be an investor in, actually. And, and that's a tool that allows you to find a bunch of things you want to share, whether, you know, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. And then you can set all those things up to share over a period of time that day over the next week. And so you can say, OK, I'm going to spend 20 minutes finding some things that I think are interesting. Uh, and then I click this button 10 times and those things are going to release like a time release capsule over the next few hours or the next few days. And then once that that list has been exhausted, you go back in, create another list of stuff and then share those out. Gotcha. You know, I, I saw that you are also, uh, I guess, basically the founder of five different organizations that have become multi-million dollar operations. So how is it that you have um, this differentiated as to what you're going to be a founder in, what you're going to be a venture capitalist in? Um, how do you differentiate that? Well, it's it's a little different between the businesses that I run and the businesses that I invest in. And so most of the businesses that I have run have been professional services companies like the one I run now, where uh, I, we help big companies figure out these same kind of questions, right? How, how do big companies do social media and content marketing and video and customer service and customer experience? And so I have been for the most part, a consultant for, for, you know, most of my 25 years in business. And over time, I've started a number of different uh, professional services firms, consulting firms, things like that. As an investor, it's a little different, right? As an investor, you tend to think about, you know, what, what technology is disruptive uh, and, and, and does that technology have a chance of coming to market uh, fast enough with enough velocity that the company will grow fast enough that you can actually get a return uh, on, on your money. So I, I, I look at things a little differently if I'm running it versus uh, I'm just putting money into it. Gotcha. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, when we get back to kind of content and content creation, you know, I'd, I'd read that uh, you have to have your content be so good that others would want to pay for it, and then and then you give it to them. But really, what does that what does that look like? How how do you get something that you think someone would be willing to pay for? Well, I mean, would somebody pay to listen to this podcast if you said, "Look, it's going to be five dollars a month to get access to the Ambitious Radio Show"? Yeah, absolutely. People would absolutely pay for it. You don't have to because you give it away for free. But it's good enough. The quality is good enough. The content's good enough. The guests are good enough. The interview's good enough. The people would absolutely pay for it. it. It meets that test. Fantastic. Now that that makes a lot of a lot of sense. And and you know one of the things uh, that that you see a lot of times is people have their Facebook pages or their you know LinkedIn or whatever, and they're just you know putting something on it. Maybe it's a quote. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. And and you're giving it out for free. Uh, but I, I heard something the other day that really opened my eyes. It was talking about politics, and, and as you know, as you know, we got a lot of that going on right now in, a, in an election year. But it was talking about you know being very careful about what you put out there because you know if you if you're uh, this uh, particular uh, you know political affiliation or that one, um, you're going to basically somehow or another offend fifty percent of the people, whichever direction you're going. And, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, the reality is, is how hard in the paint do you really want to go just to express your opinion, especially if you're using these things for business? Uh, do you advise, and I know you've advised some very large companies that they probably don't get into the granular level like that, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are using their Facebooks and, and such kind of for multiple things. Mm -hmm. So any, any advice or any direction there? I think it's dangerous to, well, let me say it this way. Um, it used to be 
not that long ago that there was a meaningful difference between your personal life and your professional life. Social media has eroded those boundaries. So if people like you as a person and and you have the opportunity to interact with people as individuals, uh, that can only help your business until it begins to hurt your business. So the same way that people might like you in the real world and that helps you get customers or, or more notoriety, et cetera, if you take positions online that a lot of people disagree with, well, then you've got to accept the consequences as well. So my, my rule is uh, I don't talk about politics or religion online ever, ever. And I was a political science major. My my original career was managing political campaigns. I ran, I you know, I, I ran political campaigns for president. Uh, so this is a very ripe time for commentary for me. But I don't say a word. I just I just watch it go by because there's nothing to be gained uh, if if you if you are going to use social media for business, even even secondarily, there's nothing to be gained. Uh, by knowing you're going to alienate a bunch of people. Your opinion isn't that important. Uh, and it's certainly not so important that a bunch of people need to read it on a computer. If you want to talk about it in the bar or with friends or in your basement, whatever, that's fine. But I, I just don't feel like uh, it is necessary to do that. And I think a lot of people end up killing themselves with a thousand tiny cuts because they can't keep their damn mouth shut. Yeah, I tell you what, ambitious listeners, you know, uh, that is great information. And I get it. Sometimes you want to throw something out there because it feels like, you know, it's a great thing to say, but you shoot yourself in the foot sometimes. And you just got to you realize that goes out there as a digital footprint forever. And uh, it could it could really be problematic. And so wrapping up this this segment uh, right now, like us on Facebook, tune in on Twitter, follow us there as well. After the break from our a brief word from our sponsors, we'll be hearing more from Jay about his career pursuits and his experience of becoming an entrepreneur and helping others with their ambitions right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Here's another RepairMyCreditNow.com story. Home ownership. It's the American dream. It's a goal you've always hoped to achieve. You've spent countless weekends looking for the perfect house on the ideal block. The rates are low and you've saved enough for the down payment. Unfortunately, now the mortgage company says there's a little hitch. Okay, let's be honest. It's a gigantic, gargantuan hitch. It's your credit. And it looks like your estimated house payment will be (laughs) a lot more www.repairmycreditnow.com hello this is doug parker with repairmycreditnow.com do you have less than perfect credit a repo maybe some late payments a collection account are they being reported accurately studies show that over 70 percent of americans have inaccuracies on their credit reports where do you fit in go to repairmycreditnow.com for your free credit report evaluation and remember your credit is your future if you want to get started now log on now repairmycreditnow.com repairmycreditnow.com www.repairmycreditnow.com As we get back into the show, let's give a shout out to our great sponsors road2black.com. That's road the number 2 black.com. You know, many people check their credit every three to five years when they're financing a home or maybe when they're purchasing a new vehicle. But if there is an issue, it could be too late to do anything about it. So go to Road2Black.com to find out more. Speaking of a new vehicle, a wise person once said, lease what depreciates, buy what appreciates. So go to Autoflex Leasing. They offer a better way to lease your next car. America's largest independent leasing company is Autoflex Leasing. Doug? All right, we're back right here on the Ambitious Radio Network with Jay Bear. He is a published author. New York Times bestseller. He's got a great new book come out 
coming out right now called Hug Your Haters. And I actually could not set this book down. When I got it, I ordered it, and I sat down and read half of it like at one setting. Jay, this is this is great content you've got here, especially you know for for business owners and and everybody has haters that are that are online that are complaining about this or that. But you mentioned one of the most dangerous things that you can do uh, is is just not to respond to them. So. Uh, let, let's talk about your book just a little bit. Let's get into that and, and uh, you know, tell us kind of how you came up with the idea to write this book. Well, it turns out that customer service is being disrupted in the same ways that marketing has been disrupted, and actually for the same reasons. It's mobile, it's millennials, it's social media has, has totally changed customer service. I mean, for generations, customer service was primarily played out in private, whether it was telephone, email, face-to-face, -face, letter, etc. And now, increasingly, customer service is a spectator sport, and that totally changes the nature of the game. Uh, a lot of companies haven't gotten that message yet, right? They're still using a 1995 playbook to solve 2016 customer service problems. And so much so that according to the research I did for the book, about a third of all customer complaints are never answered. Never, ever. Just like, well, I don't know. We just, we just didn't feel like answering you. And almost all of those unanswered uh, customer complaints are online where everybody can see that they didn't get an answer. So it's Facebook, it's Yelp, it's TripAdvisor, it's Twitter, all those kind of places. A lot of businesses aren't participating there. Uh, and it's not an accident. Usually it's a strategy. They're like, well, we just don't answer customer questions on Facebook. Like, really? It's the new telephone. Why would you choose to not answer customers in the places that your customers are going to try to get help? Yeah, that's, you know, one of the things that I would want to bring up is is the research process you went through. This isn't just Jay's opinion. I mean, there's a lot of research that went into it. And like I said, I've got the, the book right here in front of me, and it's got uh, a little poster on the inside of it. It's called The Hatrix, and it has, you know, just different things of onstage haters and, and offstage haters and percentages, all kinds of great information that you can uh, kind of pull up on HugYourHaters.com. But, um, you know, Companies tend to think they're doing a good job, and I think I think you said on there eighty percent of companies yeah. uh, think they're delivering exceptional service, and only eight percent of their customers agree. Yeah, can you believe that? Uh, we we got a we have a clear problem, uh, and it's because look for a long time businesses didn't have to be great at customer service. I mean, like what there was no there was no real need to be great at it because no one could call you on it in public, right? And and so now it's a little different. And what you find is lots of books or lots of uh, companies that we documented in the book, I should say. Uh, are saying, look, the way we're going to stand out versus our competitors is not by being cheaper. Uh, it's not by having better locations. It's not by having a better website. Uh, we're going to be the best company in our category because we're going to take care of our customers better. We're going to use customer service as the new marketing, as the way we differentiate versus our competitors. And I think that's really exciting. I was glad that we were able to document so many examples of that in the book. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, really eye-opening as I was going through it about you know, you, you sometimes look at stuff where, you know, hey, these trolls, they're just doing this or doing that. They're, they're malcontent. And, but the problem is, is that it's only their side that's out there. And I literally, and I don't know if it's uh, deja vu or uh, what it is, but literally like 15 minutes before we started this show, I got a, uh, somebody that, that did a complaint online with something and it popped up in my inbox. I, I, I tracked that stuff. And it doesn't appear to really be a customer of ours. It doesn't appear to be a prospect in our system. But I just, you know, in, in the old days, I might would have just sent a uh, an email to to that source saying, "Hey, look, I, this doesn't look like one of our customers." But I just responded, "Hey, sorry you feel that way. I'm, you know, I'm not showing that that you're in our system as one of our prospects or as a current client. But hey, I'd be more than happy to to visit with you personally and figure out what's going on. Um, you know, here's my direct contact information." 
And I, I took a, that a page literally out of your book to uh, to try that out. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get some responses that are that are not going to be good. It was a one star rating. And um, I hate having those out there. And I don't even know if it's legit. But, you know, if you don't answer it, then you're just letting them tell their side of the story. And it becomes you know, like, true. Right. It becomes true right. for all those other people who see it. They're like, well, they didn't answer. So it must be true. Uh, and, and so you should always answer. I mean, the advice in the book is to answer every complaint in every channel, every time, every complaint in every channel, every time. So now do, let me ask you when it comes to every channel. So can you give us a practical example? I mean, obviously the Facebooks, the, those are easy, the Google plus all that, but do you have any tools that you recommend for being able to monitor the other sources that are out there? If, if somebody, cause there's all these, uh, different yeah. rating sites and stuff. Yep. Yeah, it is tricky. Uh, and it gets trickier all the time because there's more and more of those rating sites for every industry, right? So if you're in automotive, dealerrater.com, and if you're in apartments, apartmentratings.com, and just like more and more and more and more. And so uh, to some degree, you should always set up some sort of a Google alert for your business, and some of that will get picked up in there. But if you're at all serious about it and, and you have a, a decent number of reviews, uh, you might want to use some specialized software. There's a company called Yext, Y-E-X-T, that does it. There's a company called Review Trackers, um, which name sort of describes what it does. They track reviews. Um, certainly, if you're looking for more social media type commentary, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, you can use a tool like Mention or Buffer that I talked about earlier or Hootsuite. Um, all of those are pretty inexpensive, and, and you can use that to find where people are talking about you. But it's it's hard. It's not like... You know, if somebody calls you, the phone rings, or if somebody emails you, it shows up in your inbox. Uh, the online stuff is still a little bit more Wild West. It isn't quite as simple to figure out where you're being talked about, but it's absolutely critical because you can't answer somebody if you can't find it. Right. Now, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And here's the other piece that I picked up. You know, it, it, nobody likes to, you know, to be told that your baby's ugly, right? Nope. And sometimes we can get you're very defensive, but I, I picked this up in the book. It says, complaining customers are spending their time to help you make your business better. And I know you had a, a quick, uh, there was a little a little quick part in there that you talked about someone that was sending out like gift cards to someone and, and it was a really unique experience. I think it was a yep. restaurant. Can, yep. can you talk about that? Yeah, that that business is uh, called Fresh Brothers Pizza. It's a chain of uh, 13 or 14 restaurants in Southern California, family owned. Uh, and they really get it, right? They really understand how to handle people in public. And so because it's a restaurant, most of their feedback is on Yelp or TripAdvisor. Um, and, and so if somebody leaves a negative review, one-star review, uh, Debbie, who owns the place, she answers back in public, as you should, answers back in public and says, hey, we're really sorry we disappointed you. Must have had an off night. Uh, hey, can I send you a gift card? And you come back in and try us again. I think you'll find that, uh, that we'll do a better job this time. Oh, that's terrific, right? Not only does it make that person happy, probably gets that person back in the door for another chance. And all the people who see that review are like, wow, that's really spectacular. On the other hand, if somebody leaves a positive review, four or five-star review, she answers back, hey, I'm Debbie. I'm the, I'm the owner. Uh, I'm super excited. You had a great experience with us. Hey, could I, um, could I send you a gift card? And uh, if I send you one, we promise to bring somebody with you next time who's never been uh, to our restaurant before. How smart is that, right? And so I talked to her, though. I said, hey, Debbie, um, this is brilliant, but kind of seems like maybe you'd be giving away a lot of gift cards. Are people scamming you out of gift cards or what? She said, well, here's the thing. 
and we keep a list of them. Like we don't give the same gift card to the same guy over and over. I mean, we know who gets them. But she said, you know, look, realistically, are there people out there who are, you know, writing reviews, um, you know, maybe just to get a gift card? She's like, ah, maybe they are, but who cares? She says, it's the cheapest marketing we've ever done. All these people see how we handle customers on Yelp, and it drives tons of foot traffic through the door. She's like, I hope people are, you know, wanting gift cards. I mean, what do I care? What's a $10 gift card in exchange for what ends up being a $40 or $50 ticket uh, when they come in the door? And all the people who see that exchange, it's totally worth it. Man, that is that is really great stuff for our ambitious listeners. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe by texting ambitious to 69922. Standard messaging rates apply. See the website for more details. Next, we're going to be talking more to Jay Bear about the ambitious things that he's doing right now and what's next on the Ambitious Radio Network. start shopping for a car, you go in thinking that this time you're really going to get a great deal. Then the haggling starts. You have to fence with a salesman over the price, then verbally joust with a finance manager over the interest rate and all the extras they want to sell you. By the time you get out of there, you're glad to have escaped with your watch and rings. Stop the insanity. There's a better way. And that's to lease your next car from Autoflex Leasing. Call the leasing specialist at Autoflex and you'll find that getting your next car can be fast, easy, and fun. Your Autoflex specialist leases all makes and models, both new and used. They'll also pick up your trade-in for an appraisal and deliver your new car to your home or office. Imagine leasing your next car and never having to go to a dealer. Happens every day at Autoflex Leasing. To see for yourself, call Autoflex today at 817-972-234-1234 or reach them at autoflex.com. Autoflex Leasing, a better way to lease your next car. Back in here on the show, it's Ambitious Radio Network. Hey, are you thinking of expanding your business but don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a new phone system? Consider grasshopper.com. You get to keep your existing number, you have multiple extensions, voicemails transcribed, and no new hardware. Grasshopper.com is the entrepreneur's phone system. And coming back in here on uh, the Ambitious Radio Network and Doug Parker and Jay Bear. Jay, uh, quick question as, as I hear the uh, interchange going along here. Let's say that my customer service uh, base is more service-oriented rather than it is uh, retail or, or, you know, in this case, uh, restaurant-oriented. Uh, let's say that I'm a consultant and I have fewer customer base, but they're more. I spend more time with them in a consulting or a, you know, any change in modality with that customer and in, in, in what you're talking about earlier. Well, usually in a in a services business or a B two B business, you're going to find uh, commentary in different places, right? So it's not going to be on Yelp, for example. But but even uh, in in B two B, there's usually some sort of uh, website that collects that kind of feedback, right? right. So in, in IT, there's SpiceWorks, which is the place where IT professionals hang out and rate and review stuff. So there's almost always a venue that you should be paying attention to, or multiple venues. But in some cases, it's not so much just waiting for people to complain in public and answering them. In some cases, it's being proactive. So one of my other favorite examples in the book, which is a restaurant example, but uh, I think it'll it'll make the point is that there's a business called La Pan Quotidienne, and and they're about 220 locations. They're a bakery and cafe uh, business. There's some in uh, the Northeast and some in Southern California. And and when their new director of customer experience uh, started, her name's Erin Pepper. She started with them a couple years ago, and her she said, "Look, here's my goal. My goal is to triple the number of complaints that we get." Hmm to triple the number of complaints that we get, which is the exact opposite of what you'd expect, right? Typically, you want a fewer complaints. She's like, no, 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 we want more. Why? 
because every single complaint is an opportunity to learn something to make our business better. And the same thing is true in your business. The same thing is true in my business. Same thing is true in any services business, which is feedback is everything. Look, let me say it this way. The most overrated thing in business. In fact, I would go out uh, as far to say the most overrated thing in life is praise. Because every time somebody says, you're doing great, I love this, I love that, it makes you feel terrific. But it teaches you nothing because we almost always already know what we're good at. What makes us better, what makes our business better is negative feedback and criticism. So if you're in a services business, if you're in a business to business business, what you've got to do is go out of your way to nudge your customers to provide feedback. And a lot of times it doesn't happen because you've got a personal relationship with those customers and Mm -hmm. they don't want to hurt your feelings. And you've got to get past that and do whatever it takes to make sure you know anytime you're doing less than 100% perfect. Good stuff, Jay. Thank you. Wow. You bet. Yeah, that, that really is great. And and I guess, you know, her her example of, you know, wanting to triple the complaints, it wasn't that she wanted necessarily that, you know, more complaints. She just wanted more uh, feedback so that they could fix those things because sometimes, you know, you, customers, we've seen it all, you know, where, where they've got a problem and they don't, they, either they don't tell anybody at all or they tell people they can't do anything about it, which are the customers. You, you know, you never hear back from it and how you're going to fix it. So yep. uh, giving them a, 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 a really a... Uh, a way to complain. And, you know, that's one of the things on the, and I got this from a, from a Dell computers email a while back. Somebody from Dell sent me an email. It's like, Hey, got a question, comment or concern. Um, you know, let my manager know. And it had their manager's information below there. So we implemented that in our business because if there's somebody that's got a complaint or a question, or obviously if they want to give us some praise, that's great. But I would much prefer for them to reach directly out to a manager instead of having to go hunt down a place to complain uh, like the internet or a forum or some you know board somewhere. So that that's one of those things that we found a couple of years ago that has really really helped us out in uh, in getting issues resolved and uh, taking you know good care of our customers. And and you know, we we talk about how expensive it is to acquire a customer uh, through advertising and other things. I think in the book you, you'd given some examples as it related to. Um, just making it part of the marketing budget, if you will, customer yeah. service. Can, yeah. can you well, elaborate it's, it's on that? crazy. I mean, a couple of things. One, just to close out on the other point, 95% of unhappy customers never complain in a way that you'll find it. 95%, which means that the people who do complain, that do raise their hand, that do tell you are incredibly valuable, right? Because they're so rare. Mathematically, they're very rare. Each year, globally, globally, Doug, we spend $500 billion on marketing and $9 billion a year on customer service. Now, that probably doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, you learn in the first day in business, heck, you learn by lunchtime in the first day in business that it makes more sense to keep the customers you've already earned than to have to replace those customers over and over and over and over again. Like, nobody's going to debate that point. Like, that is a truth. But yet we don't actually run businesses that way. We don't actually invest our resources that way. Customer service has been a necessary evil for generations. Uh, And now it's time for it not to be a necessary evil, for it to be the way that your company stands out and actually gets customers. That is that is really, really great information. We've got just a few minutes left in, in this segment. I want to kind of transition just a little bit. We've talked a lot about kind of, you know, what you do and, and those kinds of things in and, and your most recent book. But, you know, in addition to the books that you have written, are there any other books that you recommend? Oh, man, tons. And I'm fortunate that lots of my friends are our, our authors, um, it, it's uh, it's a real pleasure to be able to read their work and support them. I'll tell you one that that I really treasure. It's a book written by my friend Rory Vaden. It's called Procrastinate on Purpose. 
And if you're a busy person, right, somebody who's really got a lot going on, man, that book is a gift. Uh, it really helps you figure out how to kind of multiply your time and manage your time better. It's not one of those sort of systems, you know, make yourself a checklist. It's not like that. It's much bigger than that. It's sort of a way of living your life so that you can maximize the value of your time. It's, it's really fantastic called Procrastinate on Purpose. That is a great one. And guys, as always, you know, we'll have show notes on ambitiousradio.com. You can just put in Jay Bear, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R, and his page will pull up. We'll put links to all of this content so you can go back if you're driving down the road or whatever the case may be and reflect upon it. Um, so you're into everything. We, we talked about the barbecuing, the venture capitalist, you know, your technology advisor. You mentioned tequila collector okay but what what does that really mean i mean how many kinds of tequila are there there's hundreds of kinds uh hundreds and hundreds now some of them don't ever leave mexico some of them only get to sort of the border states and and uh, i'm from arizona originally which is sort of where i kind of got got caught up in tequila i went to school in tucson which is pretty close to the border i live in the midwest now so it's uh, a little tougher to to get supply i got to get online or when i travel i try and bring some home that kind of thing but uh you know i probably have i don't have a huge collection just because of space but i probably have 30 maybe 30 different ones at home, something like that, you know? So it's, uh, it, you know, tequila is very much like uh, whiskey or or, or, uh, or bourbon, more to the point, uh, where there's lots of different uh, flavors that you wouldn't expect, and uh, a lot of it depends on how long it stays in oak, how long it gets aged in oak. Uh, it really affects the taste a lot. So there's a lot more to it than uh, than just doing shots in college. Gotcha. Well, you know, and, and I'm not a drinker, but there was a time when I was, and to me, all tequila kind of tasted the same. It tasted terrible to me, so I'm I'm hoping that that uh, that there's some good tasting stuff out there. That's the reason why yeah, absolutely. I promise it. you, I, I promise you that there is. There's one called Casa Dragones, uh, which is my favorite. It's uh, it's criminally expensive, uh, but it's distilled like six million times. Tastes like angel tears. It's really quite spectacular. Well, there you have it. I'm used to Jose Cuervo, man. That stuff. Uh, no, ooh. it's not. It's not. That's, that's not. That's not where you want to go. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, let's talk as we wrap up this segment about mentoring. I know that's real important. Um, who's mentoring you right now? And, and, and maybe I saw there was a couple different folks, but uh, maybe name two or three. And then and then what is it that you're getting from their mentoring? Yeah, I've been really fortunate. I've had tons of great mentors uh, throughout my life. And, and I tend to sort of work with some people for a couple of years. And then as my career changes, I, uh, I, I, I latch onto a couple different people for a couple of years. Uh, right now I've, I, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of work in the speaking business and out on the road a lot, giving speeches all over the world. And that's a very interesting business in and of itself, right? It's kind of its own subculture. And so I've been, uh, I've been really helped along in that business by, uh, people like Scott McCain, uh, who is a legendary, uh, a legendary speaker, Mark Sanborn as well, who, who's the same been, you know, been a professional speaker for 25 years, Sally Hawk said, who's an extraordinary author and speaker. So they, they are, have been so uh, willing to, to tell me everything about the business, even though they don't need to. Uh, and I would say Shep Hyken, who was known as probably the number one customer service author and expert in the country. Uh, and, and here I am writing a book about customer service, and he's doing everything possible to help me, which is, uh, which is truly amazing. You know, that makes a, a really, really huge difference. And uh, after we get back from our next break, we'll be hearing more from Jay Bear. And he's going to be discussing what he does to recharge his ambitious body, mind, and spirit right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Hey. 
Hey, Ambitious listeners, you hear us interviewing entrepreneurs all the time, and there's a common theme. They want to be more productive and improve their communication. As an ambitious entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. The Ambitious Radio Network recently partnered with Grasshopper to offer our listeners a special discount. Log on to ambitiousradio.com and click on the Grasshopper banner in the bottom right-hand corner. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forwards callers to your mobile phone or others in your organization. Get a toll-free number or local number for your business with multiple extensions. Set up each extension with custom call forwarding to any phone in the world. Get your voicemails emailed to you as an audio attachment or transcribed an email. Keep business calls separate from your personal calls. Plans start at $12 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember to click on the Grasshopper banner at ambitiousradio.com for a special discount for our listeners. Join the over 150,000 small business owners that have stayed connected with Grasshopper. See how Grasshopper works. It's the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn the world into your office. And we're back in here on the show. It's Ambitious Radio Network, recharging the ambitious mind, body, and spirit, made possible by RepairMyCreditNow.com. You know, having bad credit can be really draining. It's okay to not be okay as long as you're on the road to being okay. Let RepairMyCreditNow.com help get you back on track. You know, many of our ambitious listeners prefer to listen to books as opposed to reading them. Now, with that, we've teamed up with Audible.com to offer you one free audiobook. Just go to ambitiousradio.com, click on the Audible banner on the page to find out more. Back to the show now with Doug Parker. All right, today we're talking to Jay Bear, successful entrepreneur, customer service expert, and author. And Jay, let's go through and, and spend a little bit of time really just about you and how you recharge uh, that ambitious body, mind, and spirit of yours. So what, what fills you? You know, I think seeing my kids um, grow and succeed and become great people is something that that I spend a lot of time on and take a lot of um, a lot of pride and, and pleasure in. And I think from a business standpoint, it's almost the same answer. Uh, as we talked about earlier, I've I've started a lot of companies in my day and have hired a lot of a lot of people. One of the things I'm I'm most proud of is. I think the number is like 17 now, like 17 people who I hired essentially out of college have now started their own businesses. And so I've, I've created or helped to create a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, I'm real proud of that. You know, that, that's a, that's a great thing to, to have done. And, and over the years I've, I've seen that and I've struggled with it where people, they come in, they want to do different things and you want to help them grow and spread their wings and fly and uh, to, to say that you help 17 that have come through your system and uh, have started their own business, that is phenomenal. Congratulations. You know, Zig Ziglar uh, was a mentor of mine. Zig used to say, if you just help enough other people get what they want in life, you'll always have what you want. And it sounds like that you have definitely helped many, many people do that. Um, so what about recharging? I mean, you've been, you know, hard charging, speaking, traveling, doing this, that, and the other. How, how do you just kind of, you know, recharge the batteries? You know, I try about once a month, uh, I do nothing. And I mean like literally nothing. I mean like pajamas for 16 straight hours, nothing. Uh, and I just, I just sit in my house um, and, and watch a little TV with, with my wife and kids and, and, you know, order in, take out and go full sloth. Uh, and that seems like uh, an extravagance and a waste of time, and it probably is. 
but every once in a while uh, you push hard enough, you just need to do as little as possible and kind of turn everything off. And so that definitely helps as long as I can, as long as I can do that every once in a while, it's great. And then a couple of times a year, you know, we go on a, you know, a great vacation somewhere. Or sometimes when I'm speaking outside the country, I'll try and bring the family with me and uh, make that whole dance work. And so that, that really rejuvenates me too. I do two weeks every summer, uh, first week, uh, first couple of weeks of June with, um, my wife and, and my kids. And then we have another family, uh, more dear, dear friends of ours who travel with us every summer as well. So the seven of us, uh, go, uh, somewhere, and this is our seventh, our seventh year coming up uh, pretty soon. So that's, uh, that's really terrific too. Oh, that's great. Now I, in the, in the kind of pre-show prep here, you know, I, I saw that you, you said watch TV. Now, honestly, I haven't had a lot of, of our guests that say they watch much TV. So do you have like a favorite series or is it just kind yeah, of? Yeah, there's a few on different whatever? ones. If, no, no, I don't just turn it on. No, I never just turn it on and whatever's on. That's a that's a, a bad idea is my, is, my, is my advice. But yeah, you know, TV, I think this is the golden age of television. I mean, uh, in many, many ways, television today is much better than movies. Um, there's some really great shows on television. You know what I'm watching right now? Uh, which has just been a treat and a joy is the people versus OJ Simpson, which is a 10 or 12 episode series that, that kind of replays that entire OJ scenario. Uh, and, and it's cast incredibly well. It's acted beautifully. It's directed really well. It's just a, it's just a very well-made piece of television and it's just fascinating to kind of relive those days. And I watch it with my kids and, and, you know, they of course were not around for any of that. And they're just, you know, gobsmacked that, that this actually happened and that the country, you know, the entire country was watching and it, it's really, uh, it's really a great show. Cool. You know, I've, I've seen that and, and I've thought about watching. I just hadn't had a chance to tune in. So based upon your recommendation, I may have to check it out every once in a while. I do the same thing. My wife and I, uh, we work together. And so entrepreneur wise, there's there's just very little time, it seems. And, and our kids are now adults. I've got a 21 year old son and a 19 year old daughter. And so a couple of nights a week, we'll watch, you know, maybe an hour uh, of TV. And so I may uh, have to, to go back in and, and record that show and, and check it out. So it's very good, good stuff now. Now rest. Um, let's talk about rest. What what type of rest sleep do you have to have per night in order to keep going every day? I I need a fair amount of sleep. You know, I I need seven, eight, something like that. You know, to really uh, to really keep it rolling. Um, I am so envious of friends of mine who who you know can do five or six hours. I'm like, man. I could get so much more done if I could get by on that little sleep, but I, I just can't. So, uh, and I'm also not a great morning guy. So I tend to stay up late, um, and then, uh, and then get up a little later and then get my day rolling. Okay. And then when it comes to work life balance, is that something that you're good at? And, and if so, you know, what does that look like for you? You know, I'm not particularly good at it. I think partially because, uh, my, my nature of my work is, is somewhat less separable from, uh, the nature of, of my life. And I've worked from home now for quite a while, like 12 years, something like that. So mm. quite a while. So, so, um, it's, it's a little better now. I have a full, you know, kind of a full on separate office at home now. So that makes it a little easier to be like, okay, I'm at work. And now when I go upstairs, I'm at home. So that, that is, one of my, uh, it took me a long time to kind of get that configured, but it's definitely a tip that I would give people is if you're going to work from home, give yourself a, you know, a very separate physical space just so you've got those boundaries. Okay. And, and if you could go back at any time in your life and really just give yourself one piece of solid advice, 
Um, at what point in your life would you have done that? And what would you have told yourself? So when I was, um, before I got involved in the internet, so this was, <clears throat> excuse me, probably, um, oh, early ni- early 90s, mid 90s. Uh, I was working for uh, Waste Management, big environmental services company, doing marketing for those guys. I was a trash man. I could tell you everything about trash. Um, and my boss, who had hired me there, got promoted and transferred uh, to Chicago or something. Uh, and I was so bummed. Loved that guy. He was a fantastic manager, great mentor, taught me a lot about people management. And so he left. And the guy they hired uh, to 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 replace him was the exact opposite, like really, really didn't like that guy at all. Didn't respect him, didn't think he was a good manager, didn't think he was very smart. Uh, Just, it was like the exact opposite. But I was young, right? I'd never gone through any sort of change like that in leadership. Uh, And so I was like, I quit. I just walked out there, didn't even have a job. Just said, I don't wanna work Mm. for this guy and I left. Um, And I ended up, you know, kind of scuffling around for a while. Uh, and then eventually found a job and, and, uh, it all worked out, but, uh, it, it was, I didn't have to do that. And then of course, before I even found another job, that guy got fired because everybody else realized that he sucked too. Uh, and so I, I definitely would have taught myself or told myself that, that, uh, that patience is, uh, is a virtue as they say, it's still not exactly my calling card, I wouldn't say, uh, but I'm better at it than I was then. You know, that's, that's great information. And I'll tell you, just as we kind of wrap up the show, you know, this Hug Your Haters book, it really has great information on it. And it's, it, you talk about giving yourself advice. You know, when somebody calls and, and complains, um, the natural instinct is to point the finger back at them. And oh, this gave, absolutely. So defensive. The customer's always, we say the customer's always right, but we don't mean it because the second they say something negative, they're always wrong. They're, they're right. lying. You know, the customer's lying. That's not true. They're just trying to hurt our business. You know, we completely blame the customer every time. Yeah. And, and so, guys, I, you know, I don't give a whole lot of advice on this show. We just interview people. But I can tell you that this is a book that um, I highly recommend um, in any business that you're in, whether you're a smaller entrepreneur or, or you're a big, you know, you know multi-million dollar, uh, you know, Fortune 500 company dealing with customers and finding ways to not take it personally and actually uh, effectively deal with them and turn it around to to make it where you can get something out of the complaint because at that point it's 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 too late to um, fix the previous problem but you can fix it moving forward and potentially turn that unhappy customer into a happy one so I highly recommend getting this book going through it applying the content that's there and um, it's just great stuff. So, Jay, if, if you could um, you know, ask one thing of our listeners and, and how they might engage with you, what would it be other than obviously I want them to go grab your book, but, but what else would you – how would you uh, want them to engage with you? One thing uh, I'll say is that if you, if you get a chance to, to read the book, and I hope that you do, uh, please review it, right? I mean the book is all about feedback and the importance of feedback and the importance of negativity. So if, you, if there's anything in the book that you like or don't like – uh, send me an email, tell Amazon, um, I, I want as many, as many reviews, as much feedback as possible. That's what the whole book is about. Uh, the book is at hugyourhaters.com. If you buy uh, the book, uh, send me your receipt. There's a bunch of information, hugyourhaters.com. I'll give you a bunch of free stuff that you can't get anywhere else, which is cool. Uh, and for more information about me and all the blog posts and podcasts and emails and everything else that, that uh, my team and I create about online marketing, uh, go to convinceandconvert.com. 
Gotcha. Convinceandconvert.com. Again, we'll put that on his show page. But, guys, I went there uh, this morning just, just really trying to gather a couple other nuggets of information, and I wound up spending about two hours literally watching videos, going through. I've subscribed to the email list. It is great information. So, uh, as always, Jay, thank you so, so much for carving out some time out of your busy schedule to spend with our audience. And we want to thank our sponsors. We couldn't do it. Uh, without you, Ambitious Radio is is uh, so happy for the folks that we have participating. Tune in Wednesdays to the Ambitious Radio Network where we interview thought leaders and exciting entrepreneurs changing the faces of their organizations. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. Go out there and be ambitious. Thank you for listening to the Ambitious Radio Network, hosted by serial entrepreneur Doug Parker. Join us weekly as we have engaging conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders on topics that can be applied immediately after listening. Like what you've heard? Listen to other interviews at ambitiousradio.com or subscribe on iTunes.